fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Well, back. We are thrilled to welcome back on for the second time, Mr. Grant Paulson, who covers all things Washington sports, including the football team over on the radio at 1067 The Fan Daily. You can hear him there. Grant, thanks so much for coming on again. How are you doing today, man? You got it, Wolf. How you doing, man? Doing very good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to dive into, like I said, at the top, all things Washington football team, Grant's projections for the key players. And we'll start right at the top, the big new quarterback acquisition, Ryan Fitzpatrick signs a one-year, $10 million deal. The gunslinger has arrived. He's arguably my favorite value QB in fantasy right now. But I'd love to get your take. How has he looked since joining the team? And what are kind of your expectations for him and Washington with him leading the show? Yeah, I think as people should probably expect with a new quarterback and a new offense in the infancy of training camp, you know, the reports out of camp have been up and down. Uh, but that is going to happen, and I don't really react too much to practice reports or how guys look in uh, July at, at the team facility. Uh, having said that, they've got a really good situation for him, I think, on offense. They've got an offensive line they've rebuilt with three new starters, including at left tackle and at right tackle. Uh, assuming that line is what they think it is, Charles Leno coming over from the Bears where he once played in a Pro Bowl. They drafted Sam Cosme. I had right tackle out of Texas. He's going to play at some point. Their left tackle starter a year ago, Cornelius Lucas, who had a good season, is getting kicked over. I think they'll be able to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick behind it, a line anchored by all pro Brandon Sheriff, who's back on a one-year franchise tag. And then the, the big story really is, that, you know, Wolf, I mean, they've given him some talent to throw the ball to finally. Yeah. Uh, Terry McLaurin's one of the most underrated players in the league. Uh, he is a wide receiver one, you know, in fantasy and, and reality, whatever you want to say. Uh, but on top of that, they haven't had much else. And now you've got Antonio Gibson in the backfield coming into year two is going to be targeted more often in the passing game, a college wide receiver. They bring back Katie McKissick, who caught 80 passes last year. I think his numbers will go way down as a pass catcher without Alex Smith. Uh, but he's a nice safety valve. Logan Thomas returns for his second season in Washington after a breakthrough last season where he had great counting stats. I mean, some of the best numbers among tight ends in the league in terms of, you know, percentage of routes run and targets and catches. Uh, and, and on top of all of that, they brought in Curtis Samuel from Carolina, who's going to get a lot of touches and jet action, who's going to be their second leading wide receiver. Uh, they have Adam Humphreys now in the slot, who's going to get looks. They drafted De'Ami Brown in the third round. So I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's in a really good spot. He actually was quoted about a week ago is saying this is the best situation he has ever had as the guy in an offense. And uh, he's going to push the ball down like uh, in a way that Alex Smith did not. Dwayne Haskins did not last year that they, they were very much a horizontal passing game. So that's good news for McLaurin owners. That's good news for people that are going to invest and get some shares in probably Samuel and anybody else in this wide receiver group as well. 
Absolutely. I agree with all that assessment. The, I didn't even know the line improvements as much looking at the weaponry on top of that too. It's, it's a great setup for him. That's great. He thinks it is as well. Uh, and last year, he, you know, with a less ideal setup with the Dolphins, over 70% of his starts the last couple of seasons with them have been top 12 quarterback numbers. So you give him this better setup. Uh, and and if, Norv Tur- if Scott Turner's offense resembles Norv Turner, historically always pushed that ball deep. We didn't see much of it under Alex Smith, but there could be a fantasy factory here uh, with the Washington football team. I love it. Now they are labeling it though, an open competition between him and Taylor Heineke. Do you think that's just in name only, or is there actually a chance that Taylor Heineke could push him for the starting job this year? It's funny you ask that. Well, if I actually asked Ron Rivera the same question when he was on my show on 106.7 The Fan about a week ago at the start of camp, and he dodged it uh, like you're dodging a dodgeball in, in high school gym. Uh, having said that, it's in name only. You know, I don't really believe this is a competition for two reasons. Number one, they brought Fitzpatrick in to start. I'd imagine they told him he was going to start. He makes about $10 million more, 10 times what Taylor Heineke does. I'd love to tell you football's a meritocracy, but that's somewhat telling. And then on top of all of that, you know, the Heineke buzz around here is unbelievable. And fans love the guy because he had a big playoff game against Tampa uh, in a losing effort. And he had a decent fourth quarter and his only other performance off the bench against Carolina in December. So the assumption is that he's, you know, the next Kurt Warner who comes from nowhere to be great. And I just don't think that's realistic. I, I think that there's a reason he was out of football halfway through last season. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I you know in, in reality is a different conversation than in fantasy. I'm with you. I think he'll be a nice play. I'm not convinced, you know, that he is more than just a quick stopgap for Washington in, in real life, but he's better than Taylor Heineke is. I can tell you that. And I think he's going to be their starter at the beginning of the year. And if he plays well enough, he'll keep that job. Like it. And Vegas has set his line at 3,900 and a half yards and 23 touchdowns. Do you like the over, the under on those? Do you think it's a fair projection? What are your thoughts? I really like the projection, frankly. So here's my question. And I guess you could hypothetically say this about any quarterback or any team. You know, I think he'll need to play in 15 or more games to get to those numbers. I'm just not sold on that. Like to me, Fitz makes a lot of sense on weeks where you know, number one, that he's going to be on the field based on both health and did he have a terrible game last week, which always seems to come with him. And then number two, who the matchup is, you know, he, to me is like a matchup quarterback in fantasy. He may have any percent of the time that he's in the top. The other 30% is pretty ugly. Oftentimes Uh, having said that, I guess I would take the under because I have kind of been saying to whoever would listen all off season. I just find it hard to believe he's going to start the full year you know, at his age, still running around like he does, he takes shots, man. And I, I think he gets banged up. If you look at the last couple of years where he's been better, I think a lot of that has to do with usage in some way. I mean, he would come off the bench, outperform Tua handily in Miami, and then they'd put him right back on the bench and go back to Tua. You know, would he have, if you stretched him out over the course of the long season, kind of regressed to the mean? I think he probably would have, so... Whether it's performance or health, I think he's going to miss a few games. And for that reason, I'd go under. But I'll, I'll tell you, they base those numbers on you know him playing the full year, 17 games. And I think if he plays all 17 games, he'll blow past that number. I, w- I would be really surprised if he was under that in all 17 games. I think that would be really, really difficult. Absolutely. I think that's a great point that he'll smash those if we get full 17 of fits, but health and performance concerns 
might lessen the amount of games we get from him. Intriguing indeed. Well, moving on, I, I, you, uh, cite, you cited this guy while you were talking about Fitzpatrick, probably the, the player fantasy owners, and I know certainly myself, are most excited about is Antonio Gibson. He's going to be the first Washington player off the board in most drafts. And after converting from wide receiver to running back, he still finished as the running back 14 in fantasy last year, in large part due to 11 touchdowns, seventh most in the NFL. Uh, with an early to mid-second round price, though, I think owners are expecting even more from Gibson as a sophomore. Do you think that's fair to expect more? What are you thinking for this guy in his second season? Well, I definitely think it's fair to expect more. My question with his draft positioning, just based on what you just said, then would be, how are they going to use him? You know, does Scott Turner want to run the ball? Does Washington want to run the ball? If they are viewing offense the way that they did last year, and it's the way that I like offense viewed, frankly, from a philosophical standpoint, I had Scott Turner on my show. And I asked Scott Turner, you know, about the amount that they throw to running backs. And his point is, if we could target a running back eight times and they catch it eight times, how's that any different than a handoff? Mm-hmm. And I agree with them, right? And you're just getting them the ball in space. I think that's smart. Um, so that's good news, I think, for Gibson as a receiver. Remember, he was a wideout at Memphis. I do think he's going to cut into uh, the touches, the targets, the catches. For McKissick, who caught 80 balls last year. Um, so that area, the arrow's trending up as a receiver. I think he's going to get better as a, a run protector, excuse me, a pass protector in, in the uh, passing game as a running back as well. So that'll allow him to stay on the field in more passing downs than he did last year. So all of those areas, I think, are really, really good for PPR leagues. I guess my question in just traditional running sense, how many touches and carries is he going to get? Do they view him as a bell cow? Are they ever going to smash mouth people and just pound the football to me it seems like they are a team where they're only going to really commit heavy to the run when they're in front and they did it a couple times last year when they were blowing out the dallas cowboys and that was not coincidentally the two games where antonio gibson put up huge numbers well over 100 yards had a field day so i think his value as a ball carrier wolf is probably going to be tied directly to how many games they win, like how good they actually are. I think they're maybe a nine, 10 win type team tops. Um, But the easy answer, the quick answer would be, yes, he's going to be better than he was last year because I think he's going to be more involved in the passing game. Absolutely. I I think all those are great points. In fact, looking at his last year splits and wins, he averaged over 20 and a half fantasy points, given that game script, as you mentioned, uh, whereas in losses, he averaged 14.1. So, you know, nearly a, over a touchdown difference, rather, uh, in that those splits there. So you got to hope, at least with Fitzpatrick coming in, the offense should be a little bit better. The defense certainly still looks great on paper. So hopefully those scripts do better favor him this year. And then he gets that additional receiving work that you suggested could be on on par for him. I wonder, as you mentioned, he was a converted wide receiver. What was it with last year that he didn't play much, uh, receive, see much receiving work out of the backfield? And has he refined any, you know, weaknesses that the staff might have identified that led him to not getting that work? Or wh- why wasn't he used much as a receiver, I guess? Yeah, it's a great question, Wolf. I mean, what they said when asked about that, at least in season, was it's, it's just a lot to learn. Like he's learning the playbook and basically learning, okay, how to press this carry and hit your landmark and work with this offensive line. Now we're going to work on the route tree, and now we're going to work on making sure you can 
pick up all the blitzes that you're going to see. I mean, it's a lot for a rookie running back. There's a reason why, uh, unless you're a lottery pick right at the top of the board, like an Ezekiel Elliott or a you know, Todd Gurley or something, a lot of the times you, you know, when you're a third round pick like Gibson, you kind of get eased in. And I think that was part of it, frankly. And I, I know it sounds silly because JD McKissick's a bit of a journeyman, but I think they love what he gave them. Yeah. Um, he was, he and Alex Smith particularly had a really good thing going and he's just exceptional in that regard. So I think that they were willing to utilize, and I can't specifically say and go hard in the paint on this, but I, with the young running backs from my time covering the beat of this football team for four years and covering the league, a lot of times it is just a trust thing and pass protection. I mean, we talk about the offensive line, like oftentimes the, the guy most responsible for making sure a quarterback's getting hurt is the running back. You feel like a, a kid running back can handle that. You know, that's passing downs. That's third down. That's where he's going to get a lot of those targets and those catches uh, when he kind of leaks out when nobody's coming. So I think that was a huge issue for Washington in the past, you know, with quarterback injuries and things. I, I know specifically the Alex Smith broken leg play was on a play where a running back missed a block. I just think that that's something they take seriously and, and, when you're a wide receiver converting to back, that's not something you've been asked to do. So I would imagine the learning curve was pretty steep. Yeah, that makes total sense. Pass protection would be a big area. We'll have to keep tracking out if there's word from camp that he's improving there. Uh, I think the early reports in the, on Twitter are suggesting that he is, at least as a route runner, showing a bit more. Uh, pass protection, though, will be the big key. But as we like to always remind you guys, in PPR leagues, of targets worth 2.7 more points than a carry. So if that workload does get bumped up, that would be huge. And you have visions of Scott Turner. I love that quote you said, like if we could throw it to the running back eight times, how's that different than carries? Why wouldn't we do that more space? All that you think about Christian McCaffrey back over there in Carolina. So the ceiling could be limitless if that receiving work does get bumped up. Uh, and certainly you know, with a mid second price tag, Owners are expecting that ceiling to definitely get lifted. So we will see how he goes. Vegas sets his over-under at uh, uh, 1,025 and a half yards on the ground specifically, not total yards. Do you think he hits that rushing-wise, or is that a little bit lofty? No, I think with an extra game of 17 games, if he stays healthy, I think he will hit that. Because, again, I, I do think this team, the script will work in his favor where they're going to be ahead enough particularly against the bad teams they play. They've got a brutal schedule. You know, they play all four teams that were playing on championship Sunday. Maybe those weeks, you know, those numbers are lower, but I, I think he could put some hay in the barn in some of the games they're playing against inferior clubs. And I think, you know, in 17 games, if he's not at close to 1100, they'd be pretty disappointed because it would mean number one, you know, they're not playing in front, but number two, they, they didn't do what they wanted, which was feed him more this season. Absolutely. And you referenced those Dallas Cowboys games too. If I'm not mistaken, one of them happened on Thanksgiving and it was an ultimate glorious feast, like three touchdowns. Insane. Uh, I, I still, now you should maybe go back to Thanksgiving day. It was amazing. Um, you also mentioned at the top two, while you're talking about Fitzpatrick, Terry McLaurin, who you consider a, a true bonafide wide receiver one. And I'm on the same page with you. I love Terry McLaurin. He's really followed up his surprising strong rookie campaign with 87 catches 1,118 yards and only four TDs, which stands room to improve potentially, but still finished as a top 20 fantasy wide receiver uh, in only his second season after, again, really shocking as a rookie with how well he came on. Do you think Ryan Fitzpatrick, though, could take his game to new heights? And how do you think he can continue to evolve Terry McLaurin? 
Well, first of all, it's Kirk. I mean, you know the, the answer to that. Like that guy feeds wide receivers, right? So <laughs> it would be pretty shocking if Fitzpatrick isn't given McLaurin opportunities that he hasn't gotten before. You know, at practice, those guys have linked up a bunch on deep shots. McLaurin's unbelievably fast. And so he's done a lot of the dirty work at the line of scrimmage, you know, on crossers in the middle of the field. And he can do all that. He runs the complete route tree. He's going to catch bubbles and passes smoked out toward the sideline. But I mean, this is a guy that can get behind defenders as well. And they maybe haven't tapped into that to the extent that they might like to because Alex Smith wasn't able to, um, because it hasn't really been a strength of their offense. So I, I think you're going to see that. I think fits his numbers and you know this way better than I do. I've just kind of seen these in passing. But, like, what he's done for wide receivers that before he gets there and after he gets there is always pretty amazing. You know, quarterbacks, they've got a kind of a way they process things. And you know, there's certain guys that, like, right ends or, you know, in the case of Smith, you know, you know you're going to get – I picked up McKissick as soon as he became the starter. And, you know, you're going to get a lot of those checkdowns. Like, Alex and, and Fitz are different guys. And Fitz is the antithesis where – we're going deep and we're going out wide. We're going to the wide out. So great news for McLaurin. My only question for him, Wolf, is this. And you, you got more mouths to feed now. So I think, you know, Curtis Samuel coming in, they're going to want to show that that was a good acquisition. I don't know that Humphreys is going to play a huge role, but he's now involved in the slot. You draft a wide receiver in the third round in Brown. So there are other guys at wide receiver where he's kind of been a one man band the last couple of years. Does that help because it takes some attention away from him defensively? Does it hurt because maybe they're spreading it around a little bit more? I think it all comes out in the wash because Fitz will throw to wideouts more anyway, and he's going to probably be about what he has been. Um, but that would be my one concern, so to speak, in terms of a major uh, breakthrough for him into that top like 12 to 15 in fantasy. Yeah, that makes total sense, and, and I, I definitely hear that even if the volume does shrink a little bit, I I'm kind of with you where that's a wash or if not even outdone by the fact that the QB play plus the lesser defensive attention should increase the quality of that volume. Even if it's a slightly smaller pie, he's getting, I think it will be a whole lot more delicious with Fitzpatrick slinging those. And as you mentioned, you know, Devonte Parker was a career, nobody until Fitzpatrick got there. He was the number two wide receiver in fantasy when Fitzpatrick took over for that stretch in 2019. We've seen Mike Evans have his best seasons of his career. Brendan Marshall had the best season of his career. Uh, so yeah, there's definitely a, a true history to Fitzpatrick peppering his number one, Stevie Johnson. I mean, there's, there's a long tree of that. And it seems like McLaurin's lined up to be the next one, take that game to new heights, especially the, uh, the jump ball situations that I don't think Smith really put his receivers into off. He's so conservative in that sense. Fitzpatrick loves that. In fact, he was on the sideline telling Tua, you got to give your receivers more chances to go win those balls. I love that. I love everything about it. Uh, so 1180 and a half yards and six TDs are his over under by Vegas. What do you think that shakes out for you? Do you, do you like the over on those? I'll take the over on, on the yards. Uh, and I think he's do some touchdowns, honestly. I mean, last year was a little bit of a, a quirky thing. And, and again, they just didn't have enough of a vertical opportunity or press the ball down the field enough to score a lot. Uh, so, but I think you're also going to get, you know, with you talked about quality of the targets, like you might get some more opportunities in man one-on-one -on -one where he, he's got an in-breaking route and, you know, he breaks a tackle and he can carry it 14, 16, 18 yards across the goal line. So I'll take the overall on both of those for him. Yeah. I feel like that happened a lot as a, a rookie. 
a lot of those broken plays down the field and you'd see him just suddenly go for 40 because no one else could catch up to him after one broken tackle. And I'm hoping a lot more of that comes back this year uh, with lesser defensive attention. And one of the guys drawing attention will be Curtis Samuel. You mentioned they want to prove he was a good acquisition. Uh, he's probably the number two, It's I, I would guess at least. I'm interested to hear your take on him. Uh, he carries over from Rivera's days over in Carolina. How do you expect him to fit over here with Rivera and Scott Turner's offense? I think he'll fit well. I mean, they, as you said, they've had him before. They targeted him in free agency as a priority guy, and they wanted him because they know how dynamic he can be. I mean, the one thing I would say is, and this is just a hunch from talking to the coaches on air about usage and seeing how they used him compared to what Carolina did with him last year. And Curtis in the slot way more by Matt Rule last year than by Scott Turner and Ron Rivera. And he had way more targets, catches, yards, those types of things. But what Turner would tell you, and I think what they get frustrated by when people talk about how he was better last year, better yards per touch, you know, more touchdowns with them. Not particularly close. Uh, I think they're going to go back to him on the outside a lot more. Really, what they want him for is they want positionless football. They're looking for like that Sean McVay jet action constantly. They're going to carry, give him carries a lot. I think uh, both as as a jet guy and then also in the backfield at times as a back. So I, I would expect maybe a little bit less than the industry on receiving from him, perhaps because I think they're going to line him up all over the place and decoy him some and then also you know use him as a ball carrier too but i think that part of his game might surprise people like how involved he is in that regard yeah it, very intriguing indeed we did see a little bit more of that under uh the, the new regime in carolina last year i think it, in fact he was behind only stefan Diggs in terms of total touches because they were generating so many of those quick screens and backfield touches and things. So it'll be intriguing to see if they continue to use him in those creative ways. His receiving line by Vegas was at seven hundred and a half and four and a half touchdowns. What do you think about those lines? I would take slight unders, I guess, because, you know, I think it's hard to go over with everyone. So yeah. I, I would say, you know, he's in like a, you know, high 50s catch, 600 some yard kind of range as a receiver. Um, I think they're going to utilize Logan Thomas pretty heavily. So that's another mouth to feed. I think, as I said, they, you know, Gibson, McKissick, whoever else catching the ball to the backfield might take some of those away. But I, I think they're going to look for quality with, with those targets. You know, the only way I could see that being an over is if they're, they're smoking them the football, you know, in short yardage on bubbles and things like you said at the line of scrimmage, like they did in Carolina. But I, I, I would reiterate though, that I think he's going to get more carries end arounds jets, even as a back, you know, Ty Montgomery style than, than people probably think. Intriguing. Yeah. So total yardage might hit that, but receiving specific could be. A yeah, I would definitely say total yardage over uh, yeah. receiving. Maybe not. Gotcha. You mentioned another one of those big mouths to feed. They have, they do. It's weird. In football team, we, we haven't had this many weapons to cover in a while. And now suddenly we got multiple people that we need to talk about. And that includes Logan Thomas at tight end. You mentioned that's a big mouth to feed. And certainly last year, he was fed quite regularly. 110 targets was third at the position for tight ends, as well as receptions at 72. Uh, he finished as the tight end four in fantasy after, again, converting from a QB. Nobody really was. He was in on very few people's radars. We talked about him as a sleeper that you could maybe take in your last rounds, but check him on the waiver wire. He ended up being a, a complete season changer. 
for fantasy overs. Do you think he can carry over and build on that 766 yard six TD season? Do you think it, those numbers regress a little bit? What, what are your thoughts on Logan Thomas this year? I think he can duplicate. I mean, I really do. They, they love this guy. They, they're very high on him growing, getting better. <laughs> they just extended him for three years and about $21 million. And they think there's number one, they like that there's very little tread on the tires at the position. As you know, you know, as you said, he's drafted as a quarterback uh, on top of that. maybe more importantly, they look at the growth last season, which was his first full season actually on the grass, getting targets, getting to learn and grow. And, and they think, you know, the numbers counting stats wise, at least bear it out, but they thought he was one of the better tight ends in the league in the second half of the year. So, um, they're going to involve him. They're going to target him. They're going to design plays for him. I think he's in for another 70 ish catches and very similar numbers to last year. He's a red zone threat too. I mean, this guy's mm -hmm. huge. He wins jump balls. You know, he's the guy they go to in their offense on some of those like fades where they design man coverage and kind of sling the ball out wide, um, to, to go get a rebound, so to speak, go up and box people out. So yeah, I, I think he's going to have a really similar season what he had last year he actually got off to a pretty slow start and still put up those numbers so i wouldn't be surprised if uh if he spreads it out a little more consistently for fantasy owners as well oh i'd love to hear that especially because it seems like owners are, are thinking he's a fluke or not fully buying in yet because he's fallen all the way to tight end 10 or so in fantasy drafts right around round 9 10 11 i think it's insane value i absolutely love it i'm with you um and, and i also love these over unders on him 600 and a half yards four and a half TDs based on what you're saying. I think I know where you lean, but what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I would go over on those uh, just because I think he's probably in that 70 catch range, you know, typically probably right around 10 yards per catch. So, you know, he's not going for a thousand or anything crazy like that. I mean, this is not a, a Darren wall or Travis Kelsey right. player. He's just not that dynamic. Um, but I think he can win contested balls and, and they're going to, involve him. I think he could be their number two receiver this year behind McLaurin in terms of uh, volume. So I'll, I'll go over. I love it. The last couple weapons I want to talk about. One was JD McKissick. You already mentioned, you think he might dip a bit and he had 110 targets last year. That was number one among running backs and second in terms of running back receiving yardage with nearly 600 yards. You thought he's going to get a little bit of his work at least taken. Do you think it's going to be drastic enough that he's not even an asset at all in fantasy? Because that's where he's getting drafted right now. People are seeming to assume he's going to be completely erased. Do you think that's the case? Uh, Gibson's going to completely take over? Or what do you think of McKissick after last year's explosion? Yeah, that's my concern is that he, he pretty much will be irrelevant. You know, I went and got him in a dynasty league when Smith took over and I won a fantasy championship last year and, and I kind of laugh and say that he's the reason why. I mean, he was catching like 10 balls a week for a few weeks in the playoffs for me. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, it, it's going to be a, a considerably smaller role. I really believe that. Um, in terms of just being on the field, number one, and then number two, again, Alex Smith was just, you know, he gets snapped, look for McKissick, throw the ball to him. It, the numbers that stand out to me in this regard are, and I don't, I don't have them in front of me, but Alex Smith, was like dead last in the NFL at throwing the ball shy of the sticks. He did it 20% yeah. more than anybody else. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is always one of the top guys in the leagues at throwing the ball beyond the sticks. And while that isn't specifically just saying you're not targeting running backs, 
it tells you a lot about that. So, yeah, I would sell on McKissick. I would go under just about any totals. I will say that I have kept him on my dynasty roster, and the only reason why is, I, you know, if you have, for whatever reason, like an injury to a Gibson, I think right away what would happen is he would get a lot of the work on passing downs, assuming he's still on the roster. So that's kind of the, the one avenue I see to some production. But at the start of the year, I would not, you know, draft him in sim or anything like that. Intriguing indeed. Yeah, I think you're in line with a lot of what people are thinking heading into the fantasy season. The last weapon I, I want to touch on is that exciting rookie they drafted over there in round three, kind of defined big play threat at UNC, averaging over 20 yards per catch over his last 100 grabs, uh, included eight touchdowns of 40-plus yards. The guy can certainly stretch the field. Do you think that's going to lead to a lot of playing time as a rookie? Is, it, is he showing that speed off early in camp? What are your expectations for Diami Brown? So I think how much Diami Brown plays is going to come down to how they use Curtis Samuel. Here's what I mean by that. If they use Samuel in the slot a lot, then I think you will see a good bit of Deami Brown on the outside. If they use Samuel outside a bunch, which I expect is more likely what they're going to do, that's what they did with Samuel in Carolina, hmm. then I think you'll see Adam Humphreys as the primary third guy in the slot. Uh, not to say Deami can't do that, but we talked earlier about Gibson and the amount of roles you're trying to learn and, and how difficult that is. So I think, you know, initially Brown maybe plays more outside than inside. I would tell you that my expectations because of just how much better this receiver group is, are that he's not going to play enough to be a, a weekly consistent fantasy threat. I think he's going to catch some deep balls. You know, if, if he, if you tell me right now, he's going to have a handful of like 50 yard grabs this year, that would not stun me. I mean, I, I think they're going to have an offense where they're trying to go down the field and that's going to be his role. I think of like, this is a deep cut for people, but like Aldrick Robinson over the years was a guy that would like, you know, he'd go two, three weeks where he may not catch, but two, three passes total. And then he'd have like two grabs for 89 yards and a touchdown or something. Like I could see something like that. And I, the only thing is I, I just, I don't know until I see how they're going to use Samuel because I would imagine it's going to be a lot more Humphreys in the slot and Samuel on the outside. But, uh, that's kind of the role I'm envisioning for him this year. And, and then they'll let him grow into being something, um, you know, more consistent and, and more utilized as he gets comfortable. I think they, they drafted him to layer talent at the position and to bring speed to this offense. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually that I meant to ask what we were talking about, Samuel, we haven't seen how they're going to use him because he hasn't been on the field. First, it was due to the groin injury. There's also uh, state reports that he's, on the COVID-19 list now, how concerned should we be that he hasn't been getting acclimated to this offense? We haven't seen him out there. Uh, is there any concern from the team that this could linger on, or is it something that should be done by the time camp's over? I mean, coaches always pretend like nothing's amiss, like there's nothing to worry about, right? Mm -hmm. I will say that Ron Rivera has been very adamant that this is not a concern, that this is not something that they are sleep over the only reason I'm going to double down with him on that is specific to the offense like he he's played in this offense I mean he was in this offense for a couple of years you know he knows Scott Turner he I don't know that he has to study the playbook I don't know how much they've added or how much is different so um, I'm not concerned I'm not worried about that 
I guess theoretically I'm more worried about the injury itself, but they seem to think it's a fairly minimal groin injury and they're just bringing him along slowly as a precautionary measure. Obviously the COVID thing, while not ideal, um, you know, your fingers crossed, he, you know, he's healthy and fine. Most of these players come right back from that without much incident. So uh, on a scale of one to 10, I'm like a, a two or three on Samuel. If he, if he starts missing action when they're playing a quarter at a time with starters in the preseason, then I'll elevate that number. But right now, based on everything I've seen and heard, I think they feel like he'll be good to go when he needs to be on the field. Awesome. I mean, not a player specific question, but you keep bringing up Scott Turner. I know you talked to him uh, recently on 106.7, the fan over there in Washington. Does he drop any hints that his offense might change or evolve at all? I mean, last year they were top eight in pace, top eight in the pass attempts, even with Alex Smith playing pretty conservatively for a while. Do you, has he talked about it all, the system evolving in year two as a play caller with Fitzmagic there? How do you see him faring in his second season over there with the football team? Yeah, he's got much better players now, you know. Uh, he didn't really have good players at a lot of positions last year, including quarterback, where his tandem was a disaster. Um, Alex Smith, you know, for all of his incredible recovery storylines, played poorly. Uh, Dwayne Haskins played worse than that. So it, it wasn't easy, I'm sure, for him to call plays and to design offense. And on top of that, uh, you had a guy who wouldn't go deep often in Smith and hasn't throughout his whole career. And I don't even know that they had the personnel to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, they had a left tackle who's kind of a journeyman starting, maybe to protect him by not dropping, you know, five and seven steps and, and letting things develop down the field. Yeah, and really only McLaurin at the receiver position that was proven. And one of the numbers that Rivera likes to throw out there, I think he played nine years in the league and his nine years in the league was more experienced than the entire wide receiving core in Washington had uh, last season going into the year. Um, so now you add Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys to that and you draft Deami Brown. It's a different group. Uh, the one thing I'll say that, that was pretty clear with Scott Turner, number one, he loves the speed. Uh, that's something they wanted to fix and he feels like they have. And number two, and it was pretty clear. And this is an easy thing to say in the summer, but he really does believe, you know, you use the word dynamic or, exotic or whatever, but he really does believe that uh, they're going to have a chance to go down the field a lot more. And uh, I think he's really excited about that. He wants to make bigger plays. He knows that they have to get some things easier. You know, they had to go on these long marathon 13 play drives and and run all the plays because it's just too hard in this league to do that. You know, you get a holding penalty and you're screwed or, uh, one thing goes wrong and now you're behind the sticks. So I think he's planning this year on this offense being a little bit more prolific and, and yards coming in chunks. I think that's kind of what he hopes with the playmakers that they've added. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Grant, so much for your time today. Do you have a couple minutes, two minutes to run through our no huddle offense with rapid fire takes on 10 quick questions? Sure. All righty. Let's do it. Who's the team's leading rusher, and how, what's his yardage at this year? Uh, Gibson, and we'll go 11.65. What about the leading receiver in their yardage? McLaurin, I'll go 12.80. Wow, I like it. Uh, biggest disappointment on offense for the football team this year? Uh, I'm going to go Curtis Samuel, and it's not that I'm not high on him. 
I just, you know, being banged up to start camp, it's kind of a weird feel. And again, they got a lot going on as they're trying to implement him and people are talking like he's going to, you know, be one of the biggest weapons in the conference. So I'll say Samuel. Who do you think is the biggest surprise or Blake breakout player on this team? Um, it's a good question. I will say, I'll say um, John Bates, who's a second tight end, catches like four or five touchdowns or something weird like that. He was a late round pick out of Boise State. I could see them, you know, down around the goal line utilizing him. Intriguing. What do you consider the biggest strengths of the football team? I think they have a smart plan on offense. I think most teams, you know, like to ground and pound the football. And I'm not sure that that's the smartest way to run your offense anymore. I like that Scott Turner understands that the most underutilized way to move the football is throwing to running backs and throwing sideways. And I think they're going to do that with Gibson. They're going to do that with McLaurin and Samuel. Um, I think that's a strength. And I also think Alex Smith is going to take shots down the field uh, when they get the, the right defensive looks. Indeed. And what about their biggest weakness as a, as a team? Their biggest weakness is going to be that they're playing a first place schedule and they're playing a way harder collection of quarterbacks mm-hmm. based on winning the division last year when they weren't really a division winning team. And they were kind of a, a pretend champion. I hate to say that, but they were seven and nine that normally doesn't win the East. They won the East and now up a way last. And I think that could catch up to them. What about, uh, you've already kind of hinted at this, that you do play fantasy. Are you typically pretty good? No, I would say uh, I'm not. <laughs> I, uh, you know, when I was on the beat, I was particularly terrible because I was just, I mean, that's like a 70 hour a week gig. I've gotten better again now that I'm in studio doing talk shows and I'm not on the beat because I can follow everybody else rather than just being at practice all day. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I'm, I'm too active, you know, in, uh, in the sense of like, um, I'm always kind of, I think I'm about to find like the player that's going to break out and probably overthink it too much. Gotcha. What's the uh, football team's record this year? I'm going to say 10 and seven, because nine and eight would be too boring. And what about where do you see them finishing in the division and conference? Uh, I think they make the playoffs as a wild card. I think either by way of a tiebreaker, or maybe the game behind Dallas wins 11 games, something like that. Um, and I think they, I'll say they, they're, they're out within the first couple of rounds. I don't see them getting like an NFC championship game or anything like that. And the Washington football team will win the Super Bowl when dot, dot, dot. <laughs> they find a standout starting quarterback. They are to me right now, a quarterback away from me feeling like they're a Super Bowl caliber team. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be a decent little stopgap perhaps to upgrade them over what they've been mired in since Kirk Cousins left, but um, this is not championship level. I mean, there's a reason why his teams have not made the playoffs or gone on playoff runs. Uh, so I would say when they get the quarterback that has been eluding them for my entire lifetime, 30 plus years. <laughs> right. Exactly. Awesome. Grant. Well, thank you again so much for your time, your insight. Why don't you remind our listeners where they can find your work and anything you'd like to promote? Yeah, absolutely. My show is on 106.7, The Fan in D.C. Every single day, they can listen via the Odyssey app. We talk all things NFL and and football team every single day. I have a lot of fun doing it. And I'm on Twitter, at Grant H. Paulson, if you want to check out a bunch of uh, the gigs I do and different things that I post there.
Awesome. Well, thanks again so much. I always offer to at the end, if you have any burning fantasy questions right now, feel free to ask them now. I know you have my, we've been emailing, chatting back and forth. Is there any burning questions or like keeper wise or anything on the top of your mind at the moment? That is a good question. I actually have a couple, but I got to look at my roster and probably hit you up and email you. Please do. I'd be more than happy throughout the off season. However, I can help you. That'd be, that'd be a joy of mine to be able to give you some advice after how much help you gave us with this football team preview. Um, thanks again, Grant, so much. I hope you have a great rest of your week, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, expect the text today. I will uh, be hitting <laughs> you up today. I appreciate you. Well, thank you, buddy. Awesome. Thank you as well, Grant. Have a good rest of the day. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.